press that little button. Whoa! We are. Bones is in position. We're in he position. Is. He is. All right. It sounds good. You ready for a countdown, my friend? Let's do it. Okay. Five, yes. four, three, two, one. Yes. <laughs> welcome back, friends. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Jersey Alchemist. We're sure to regale you with fascinating stories of places we've been and places we haven't been. Mm. I'm your host, Dr. John Gerard Galucci. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What an intro. And I'm Philip D'Angelo. What's up, pal? Well, let's see now. Um, it's almost mid-June. Yeah, yeah. Time is flying. Jersey. Yeah, I haven't been down the shore yet. Have you been down the shore? The Jersey Just shore? Just yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Small world. And how was it? What shore did you go to? Uh, well. If you don't mind me no, saying, no, asking. No, 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 no. The, the, uh, the agenda was to go to my mom's house because yeah. my mom passed away in February. My dad's gone since 2014. And it's, you know, I really, really, really hate going to the house yeah. because it's, you know, I'm slowly cleaning it out. The courts are fucking around with, you know, turning over the house to me so that I could finish dealing with the whole affair. Am I going to keep the house? No, I don't want anything to do with that house. That house has tremendous memories. And now it's kind of, I always use the example when we're talking about a place that had great, fabulous memories. And now it's kind of my mom and dad's house. It reminds me of a big stadium, like after the party, like the Super Bowl is done and it's a mess and it's just kind of a sad shell of what it once was. So there's nothing nice about going to my mom's house. I had to go to the post office to officially have the mail diverted, grab her mail open up a stack of mail this big and it's all bills that haven't been paid you know all of that fun shit so we go there and then we figured you know i wanted to get on the road earlier but you know that sometimes that doesn't happen and uh, we were going to go then and either walk on a boardwalk or sit our asses on a beach and then go to dinner somewhere down at one of the lovely restaurants uh, on the jersey shore and there are many 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 so but uh, you know it's funny on the way we took the garden state parkway and i decided to take the express lane on the left instead of the local traffic lane and just as i did that co coming up kind of around a, a long turn grade so to speak that the right side of the highway was stopped dead and i said oh god must be an accident and uh sure than shit then everybody's rubbernecking both sides were stopped dead and by the time we came upon the scene um any sort of rescue or salvage vehicle they were gone and now the wrecking crew was was pulling a um a pickup truck onto a flatbed and there were pieces of this truck on both sides on either side of a divider actually both going in the same direction right wow. it wasn't like the oncoming side and this car obviously had flipped and flipped and flipped 
it was completely folded up like a tin can. Wow. The roof was smashed all the way down to the tops of the doors, you know, and, and I just thought, oh, this isn't good, Bill, no. you know, and Sandra being a psychic, um, I, you know, I said, what do you think? And she was, I had this like far away look and she goes, uh, she goes, no, she goes, no, yeah. uh, I, I says, well, I says, I get, you don't need to be a psychic to figure out that somebody left that scene probably in a bag, um, God forbid, but hey, that's, that's what happens. And I just thought, you know, and then you start reflecting like, okay, we chitted, we chit chat, you know, we comply, you know, I, I complain about all sorts of bullshit that I got to deal with in, 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 in life. And then you don't realize that right around the corner might be that great doorway. Mm. <laughs> They're a great doorway Absolutely. that takes you out yeah. of here oh, yeah. and sends you off planet. You know, John, they say life can change in an instant. Yeah. And, you know, here it is. Like, look at that accident. Somebody was just driving. Were they going south or northbound? South. Southbound. Probably looking forward to going down the shore, having a good time. And uh, Somebody got a phone call. Instance. That's for damn sure. Well, I'll tell you, that's a horrible way to go. Uh, you know, my uncle got a phone call like that with my cousin Joey, and uh, his life's never been the same since then. Uh. I mean, but... But to die in a, in a car accident is horrible, and we all know people that have done that. I mean, well, what's a good way to die? I mean, is there, like, is that a silly question? Well, is there a good way to go? I'll tell you what. I'll t you know what? If there were a way to go, like, there's a famous painting called The Death of Socrates. Look it up. It's, there's a gaggle of people, like an audience, around this bed, and Socrates is bare-chested, I think, with a, with his shirt or his shawl you know dramatically thrown over his shoulder and he's he's making some kind of final proclamation and his hand is up mm. like this that's called the death of socrates he kind of died like a power broker he died like a king now my father when he passed in 2014 he made it past kidney cancer he had a couple of painful operations but they got it out and they got all of the kidney cancer out and it never reared its head again. And then like two and a half years later, he ended up having what I would call botched cardiac surgery. He was on the table, he was on the pump. He was on bypass for seven hours. And the, the assholes that were the surgeons that knew who I was, that knew I was a, a surgeon, they never fessed up that something went wrong. Uh, the operation my dad had should have lasted tops three hours, but he was on the pump for seven, wow. and that almost killed him. He looked like my brother in his humor said, geez, Pop looks like a Halloween prop. Okay, he did. He did. And, and my father went into that surgery at 79. He came out looking like he was 179. He was in the hospital for four weeks. He should have been in the hospital for less than five days. And, of course, they lied to me about what really happened because something definitely happened. And then after, after a year, after he took to recover, he just thought about getting his golf clubs again. Boom, he gets leukemia, leukemia and, he, and he, you know, he goes through all of the gyrations, the, the, the chemo and all of this shit. 
I watched them give him some kind of med that almost made him code. The whole team came. I was sitting at the foot of the bed. But when he was in the final slide, I was there with my dad when his oncologist said to him, my father said, well, what now? He goes, what next? And the oncologist, who was a pinch hitter, he wasn't the, the, he wasn't the guy that was talking to my dad day in and day out. He was just one of the partners of the group that really didn't know my dad. He says, well, Mr. Gallucci, he goes, that's it. And my dad said, he looked at him and he goes, he goes, what do you mean? That's it. He says, well, there's nothing else for us to do. He goes, we just can't keep transfusing you. He says, uh, it's time to get your affairs in order. Wow. And my father, my father was like in the hospital bed, you know, sitting up at an angle and he goes, you mean, he goes, that's it, there's nothing else? He goes, I'm going to die? And the oncologist, and I was sitting right at the foot of the bed, the oncologist said, I'm afraid so. And my father looked at me. He gave the double Gallucci shoulder shrug. He went like this with his hand. He says, okay. And honestly, I think that everything he had been through, you know, and his sister being in a nursing home, which she still is and her daughter who was a quadriplegic spastic quad from cerebral palsy from a birth accident who was like 70 was still in you know in a wheelchair it, it you know my brother's condition my brother had you know a, a massive stroke it all became too much for my dad my mother had dementia my sister was dead since 1993 and I think my dad, somebody, you know, it's like my dad was like in the octagon in a long UFC cage match, and he was slugging it out and slugging it out, and he was winning a couple rounds and getting floored here and getting floored there. And I think hearing that he was going to pass, I believe, look, nobody wants to hear that, but I believe at that very moment, it was like, God grabbed him and took him by the hand and said, Tom, the match is over. You don't have to get kicked in the face anymore. You don't have to get ground and pounded. You don't have to get, you know, you don't have to get pummeled. You don't have to get choked out anymore. You can stop fighting now. It's time to take a nice shower and let's go get something to eat. We'll attend to your, to your wounds. But your fight is over. And he took it well. And when he finally passed, he would have, I can't, his, his passing was scripted so perfectly for him. He would have said, here's how I want to pass. I want the entire family in my house. I want there to be food everywhere. I want there to be music. I want there to be laughter and happiness, a celebration. And it lasted for nine days. And I slept right next to him. I was on his couch and he was on a hospice bed in his living room for nine days. And he lived and died and lived and died and lived and died. And, you know, every day we thought this is it. He would go, he would go radio silent comatose for like six or eight hours. And then he would wake up and ask for something to eat or drink. But then he finally, finally passed when I was laying next to him at around 2.25 a.m., uh, on July 7th of, of uh, 2014. And I 
you know, uh, I explained this scenario on a previous episode, but my father died like a king, and he was a king to me. His death was like the death of Socrates. Please look up the painting. Just Google search it and look and say, hey, that's how Gallucci's father died. God bless him. But I had other friends and relatives that weren't so lucky. Weren't so lucky. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, John, when you said like your father had to go through a lot of battles, yeah. I think a lot of times, and he was one of the strongest men I've ever met yeah, in my he life. Was. He Character-wise, was. physically, uh, emotionally, he was just a strong, he just exuded strength in every possible way. Yeah, he did. Knowing him uh, like, I, like I did. So I think when people are that strong, I mean, I think, you know, the powers that be, uh, the spirits, they have to, they can't just take the guy like that out or woman. They got to beat him up a little bit. He never wanted to be a burden on anybody. Yeah, and they got to beat him up a little bit and get him tired and soften him up, you know, and then they say, are you ready? And then, you know, we all get tired. Right. And, and, And I think that there's, hear me loud and clear. I don't think there's anything wrong with any given individual really digesting the predicament they're in and making a decision not to have some doctor or nurse from an infusion program euthanize them like Kevorkian, right? No. A very dear friend of mine who was my roommate in dental school and and part of medical school, um, I knew his, I know his whole family. And I loved his father. And his father, after they moved far away, his father developed cancer. And it was, you know, irreconcilable. It was, it was, it was a terminal thing. It, it was metastatic. He was, he was down the chute, and he was going to leave this physical plane. And he, he sensed that he was a burden on the family because there was no way out of his predicament other than ending up on the other side in the spirit world. So I think it was a Friday or Saturday night and he told his son and his wife, hey, look, you guys, you guys have been suffering. Come on, I I don't want to do this to you. He goes, you guys go to the movies. He goes, I'll be perfectly fine. He goes, I, you know, got something to drink here. I got this, I got that. I got movies in the the TV. Just go, no, no, dad, no, 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 we're going to stay. No, go, go to the movies. And they went to the movies. And he um, had some kind of container of concentrated potassium, a potassium solution. And he was dying of kidney failure, he had kidney cancer. And, um, you know, he was, he was such a great guy. And, and, he, and he, he told his family, when this becomes too much for me, don't judge me, but I'm going to go on my terms. And they knew what he had right on his night table. And when they came back, he was gone, and the canister of the potassium solution was empty. Wow. I, God bless him. I don't think there's anything wrong with what he did. There, there are some religious types that would say, oh, he, you're not supposed to do that. That's a sin. Bullshit, that's not a sin. You lived your life, you went through the highs and lows, you were thrown into the, you know, into the UFC cage, 
You were slugging it out for decades and decades and decades. Saw family members die and birth defects and you get the horrible phone call that someone had a car accident, they didn't make it. When it's your time to go, if you have a hand in it, so be it. That's how I feel. If you got a comment, put it down in the comments. Wow. I mean, what a conversation. I'm just thinking back now about uh, my father-in-law, my ex-father-in-law. You can hit pause there, though. Yeah. Uh, no, that's right. My ex-father-in-law. And um, the way he passed, apparently there was uh, lung cancer, but he never told anybody. He knew. He knew. And his doctor knew. And his business associates knew. But he would refuse. He was not going to go through any chemo. He wasn't that type of guy. He was, maybe they told him when he found it. To this day, I really don't know if, if it was too late for him. Yeah. But he did not say anything to anybody. The day before he passed, we went over there, had dinner, hung out. And he said, yeah, I'm going to go see my doctor in a couple of days. And he made a drawing. He was big on drawings. He goes, yeah, here's a, you know my lung. They found a little spot here. But they're going to do some chemo. Should take it out if they do this. You know, typical drawing. And he goes, hey, everything's going to be okay. And he still, I remember shaking his hand saying goodnight. He still had a great handshake. Uh, the next day, uh, we got a call that he was in uh, St. Joe's and Patterson, and he was on life support. The next day? The next day. And that was it. And he did not want to stay on life Natur support. Naturally, the next day. He yeah. Didn't, he didn't drink a can of No, of, uh, no, no, no. Right. Naturally, the next day. I mean, I don't know if he had us over for dinner. Maybe he knew yeah. that things weren't going well, and uh, and that was it. And um, in his office, he had his office downstairs in the basement of the house. He had a little 45. Remember the little 45s? Records, the small ones? Oh, I thought you meant a gun. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. 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 And uh, he had uh, uh, the song My Way, oh, 45 yeah. Sinatra, My Way. Mm -hmm. I'll do it my way. Yeah. And that's how he did it. So I guess that was his explanation for not really telling everybody, like, listen, and he knew deep, deep in his soul he wasn't going to get by it. No, because we found out all his favorite joints. You know, he was big in the airport. He was mm -hmm. big in a certain uh, local gin mill. And, uh, you know, he visited all the places. How old was he? Oh, God, I'm going to say 69. Yeah, he wasn't that old. He was not old. Yeah, he was not. And, I remember uh, talking to your ex on the phone, and I was at St. Joe's in Patterson doing a rotation. Oh, wow. And I think your dad had surgery yeah carotid yeah. and oh yeah he did yeah. he had a lot of surgery yeah. i was in right. that i was in that uh recovery room at midnight at st joe's that mm -hmm. was an experience to say the least yeah. but uh yeah so that's the way he went mm. you know there like we said john i mean you can't really some people can control it and but a lot of times you can like you know i mean is it laid out is the path we're supposed to just go take these steps you mean, you mean is when when your time's up that stamp we're all stamped to date right I'll tell you what the same guy whose father died of yeah. kidney cancer um, when I he and I were roommates in, in Manhattan at NYU College of Dentistry he used to say when it's your time your time it doesn't matter you won't go beforehand and when it's your time you can't keep from going and at that point in my life even though I was profoundly spiritual, I'd say you're full of shit. Mm. I said, you mean to tell me if I if if it wasn't my time and I decided to run across the fucking turnpike and get nailed by a tractor trailer, I'm gonna live? You know, I, you know, I was kind of a young man's mm. 
jerky way of uh, challenging him. But all these years later, I think he was right. I think that we do have a time to go, and I think that it can be altered. And, and that's where prayer and the law of attraction intercept. So there's strength in numbers, and, and you've heard that saying, uh, where two or more are gathered in his name, there is love, and love is the greatest healing power uh, in the universe. So that's why prayer groups work. That's why prayer groups work. That's right. And there are people who get paid for being a, a member of a prayer group. It's what they do. They're prayer warriors. Um, interesting to think of it that way. So, yeah, I do think you can stem the tide and keep somebody from passing. I think that's what happened with my sister. You know, she had, you know, her condition for 15 years, and then, you know, it it finally took her, but that's another story where, you know, um, what's, a, what's a reasonable good way of, of passing and what's a shitty way? I have two family, at least two family members that were murdered by the healthcare system. Murdered, mm. murdered. My cousin, Joe, you've heard, was executed in Harlem. I think he was 26 or 27 when we were yeah. juniors in, in high school. Murdered, executed, you know, gun to the back of the head, blow his brains out. He was into stuff that he shouldn't have been, hanging with the wrong people, and um, he knew it. He knew it because he made the family rounds. He made the family rounds the weekend before, and boom, my dad got the phone call. But that's a shitty way to go, I think, getting executed, being shot in the back of the head. Um, but, you know, um, being murdered by the healthcare system is not being put on your knees with your hands tied behind your back and being executed. It's just a different way of being executed. Just a different way. That's another story and another topic for another episode. But friends, the healthcare system and how fucked up it is, and I've been I've been a physician for decades. That's going to be episode one, two, and three, at least. We're never going to get that done between 30 and 60 minutes. Well, let me tell you about my father, you know, because I wasn't in the uh, medical field, and he was at a slight stroke at uh, 90, 89, he turned 90 a month later. He was in this rehab facility, okay, and that Sunday I went to visit him. And he ate a whole spaghetti and meatball dinner. We watched the whole Yankee game. Um, you know, we talked. I gave him a book on Sinatra and the Rat Pack. He was, oh, I'm going to read this. So, but his left side was, he couldn't move his left side, okay? So, it's illegal to strap somebody into a chair, I think, in a real well, well, in a hospital, when I was a medical student and a resident, it wasn't illegal. You just have a physician's order for two-point restraint, four-point restraint. If they were tough and strong and violent, it was four-point leather restraints. But then it became illegal. All right. Yeah. yeah. So so, so what they used to do is they used to drug him yeah. and just knock him out in a chair so right. he would just literally be a vegetable. Yeah. And when he was, it was a shame because when that wore off, he was fine. I mean, yeah. you could talk to him. He didn't slur his words. Right. No, he was a little, you know. Right. 
They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it. Right. So when I asked the guy, what you know, what can we do about this? He goes, just don't come here. That's what his advice just was. Just don't, don't come, come here because when you come here, he gets all riled up. Just don't come here. It was okay. his way of saying, go fuck yourself. Yes. Now, so holy we, shit! Yeah, imagine. That. So we had that. Yeah, I do that, imagine that, that last day, that meal. The next day, I get a phone call. He's in the emergency room, and uh, in uh, Morristown. I'm like, what's going on? So he's in bed, mm-hmm. and nobody. You couldn't find the doctor. Yeah. Like they're pa- the nurse is like, oh yeah, we're paging him. So yeah. I got there early in the morning. He's in a closet with a screw mug. Yeah. So we're we're there waiting, and my father, he's he's. His eyes are closed. He can't open his eyes, but he's hitting his head like he's trying to wake up. Yeah. So obviously oh, he's still kind of with you're it. You're making me. I'm gonna cry. Jesus. Uh, well, I'm getting pissed off. Yeah. Well. So they they juiced him with so much stuff that by the time I'd say around 12 or 1 o'clock came, all of a sudden now he's having trouble breathing. Of course. Yeah. All right. Because they shut they him down. They were basically euthanizing him in front of you. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. And, you know, we had a, a do not resuscitate. You know, we didn't even understand what was going on because the doctor never came in. Right. You know, I kept telling the nurse, you know, well, we have to worry about his blood pressure. We have to do this, but right. nothing. And then he was just gone. Just like that, just gone. Where the day before, we're having spaghetti and meatballs, watching the Yankee game, giving him books. He's having a full conversation. Yeah. I don't know. Go see. No. So that's that's what happened. So I mean, so there is no good way to. How about the story, where um, somebody was at a bus stop one time, in a in a town uh, in New Jersey, and a wheel fell off. The wheel fell off a truck, or a bus, a truck I think, and just rolled down the street, hit the person and killed them right there. So, you know, we're talking about death. Right. If right. it's your time. You know, as right. wrong as that way may be to go, right. it's just the journey. Yeah. There's it, nothing we could do about it. It is, it is the journey. And, and believe it or not, I believe that we have a hand in writing the script. I, I honestly believe that, uh, and, you know, it reminds me of a very dear friend of mine who's a surgeon told me that, and I think I told the story on a previous episode, but it fits with this particular episode. Now, that her and her two girlfriends would go from South Jersey to Manhattan, have lunch, see uh, an afternoon matinee, you know, uh, play, and then drive back. And it was, I think they did it, you know, every couple of weeks. And this one time, a tractor trailer lost its its tire and wheel. And oh. Those things are really big and really heavy, oh. and it was bouncing around doing 60, 70 miles an hour, and it, it came from the opposite side of the road. Oh, so now God. they're doing 60 and 70, or 70, and this wheel with the tire is bouncing, going 60 or 70 in the opposite direction, and it went through the windshield, and she was in the middle seat and it hit her nobody else was injured and it killed her instantly i mean talk about against all odds oh my god so i mean listen that you can't escape it the stamp we're all stamped with that i believe the day we're born is the journey to go where we go and all i would tell people out there and you know most of you don't need me to tell say this enjoy every day because we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next five minute brings. You know, we all think we're going to go forever. But like my dad used to say, death is a part of life. 
you know, and that's, that's a part of that's yeah. Just well, the way it's going to yeah. be. And I don't want I don't want to you know backtrack twice because we've already told the story. But you know, how did my my cousin and my sister? How were they murdered by the healthcare profession? This shit, um, all about money, healthcare profession, that's aided and abetted by big pharma, by the politicians that oversee the healthcare profession, and by every single hospital um, system, from the board of directors down to the presidents and the CEOs and the CFOs. The entire system, when you peel the layers of the healthcare system, is fucking corrupt. They took a tumor out of my sister's head. They called it a high-grade cancer. They gave her chemo and radiation, and that ultimately killed her. And her tumor was benign. My cousin, they gave him a high-dose experimental bone marrow transplant treatment that took him right to the edge of death by killing off his entire immune system and then they were going to rescue him with his own bone marrow because they said his brain tumor was a glioblastoma multiform which is basically you know as of 2022 it's not curable turns out he had a benign tumor and i wanted them to do a bowel prep on him to take the burden of the of the bacteria and fungus in his colon and remove it from his body before they kill off his immune system. I said to them, he'll be dead on the third day. Ha ha ha. You know, I was a surgery resident at the time and they were the great cognators, the great fucking oncologists who, oh, they think they're so fucking smart. You know something? He died on the third fucking day, you mm. douchebags, because you you couldn't be a free thinker. How would it how would it have foiled your plans if you just listened to Dr. Gallucci? I'll prep him so he doesn't die of sepsis. Ha ha ha! Does it sound like I have hostility in in my heart uh, against the healthcare profession, against the profession that I was a slave for? for decades and decades? Yes, I do. And that's only the tip of the iceberg, friends, the tip of the iceberg. Well, John, uh, that's what made you so special as a doctor. Uh, I was a free thinker, thinker. and I was a patient advocate because I experienced such horrible things in my family and in in my friends. Mm -hmm. And the other doctors, not all of them, not all of them, but uh, most of them just plain old didn't give a flying fuck. And they, they didn't. And probably if they read it in a book in 1974, that's what they're sticking with. Yeah. Right? End of story. If that's yeah. what they told them in Let's go to other deaths. We're not okay. going to finish this in 31 minutes. So no. let's just keep going for okay. a while. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, and what gets us so passionate is because, you know, we're talking about loved ones here. Yeah. We're not just talking about people off the street, even though when you hear a, a horrible story, it, it really is, you know, amazing. But, yeah. you know, these are loved ones that we, you know, you, you laughed with, you cried with, you grew yeah. up with. Right. And when it doesn't go, you know, that way, you, you want answers. You want right. to find out what's going on. So I think the deaths that really, really floor people 
are the deaths that happen in someone who's relatively young, you know, and, and they apparently, apparently they would have had their whole lives in front of them with, with a family around them and a, a, a husband or a wife. Mm. Case in point, my Uncle Charlie was a, um, an HVAC guy, heating, you know, uh, air conditioning, heating, did a lot of, he did duct work. Sure. He built the fountain in Trump Tower back in the, I guess, the 70s when it was built. He built it with his own two hands. But uh, I think at the time it was his best friend. They were working on a, on, a, on a job. And one of the dictums was, if you're going to place a metallic air duct in a wall, in a wall void, don't, don't do it when the wires are there. Because you could cut the wire and the duct material will transmit the current to you. And this guy, I guess, broke the rule, didn't realize he was breaking the rule, and he got underneath a big piece of ductwork that they had just made, you know, custom made for this wall void. It was going to go from one floor to the next, and he got under it, and he lifted it into place, and it cut a wire, and he, in front of everybody, fried. He was electrocuted on the spot. Mm. And it was, and, 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 you know, and quite a while went by before they could, you know, get to turn, turn the juice off. And it was his best friend. I mean, mm. that's, that's a shitty fucking thing to have happen. And, but that's what the world is all about. If you, if you're born onto this third dimension, you're subject to all of the uh, pros and cons of the third dimension. Wow. And you know, death is so unpredictable. For some, it's predictable if there's a health issue. Yeah. But situations like that, John, you don't know. You're just getting going to work. You're just, you know, going home. You're just relaxing. Right. Whatever you're doing, you know, you want to go out for a ride or a drive. Yeah. And you just, it's a one-way ticket. Right. And, you know, and then and I, I just I'll never, never know. I'll never forget. And I really, to this day, I don't know if the story was true or not, but I saw the video clips of it. This is going back about seven years there was some ex-military expert on a gun range rifle range whatever who was giving lessons and somehow or another and i don't i don't think it was one of his kids but they had like a small skinny little six or seven year old girl and they were going to teach her how to fire the equivalent of a MAC-10, a, a MAC-10 or the equivalent is a fully automatic, you know, pistol grip shorty. It's not a, it's not a rifle. It's kind of a short, what up, automatic, high, high capacity, you know, clip, all that crap. But for those who have any experience in firing, uh, you know, with firearms, a fully automatic weapon has an inherent torque to it. It just does. So apparently he was instructing this kid, but she was a skinny little, a little mm. kid. And when she went to pull the trigger, the gun torqued because it was an automatic weapon and it went and when it went like this, it just, the last couple of rounds 
hit him square in the head and killed him on the spot. Right. Wow. So, so it, I'm assuming that that story was true. You know, I don't want it to be true. But, you know, the, the one thing that this expert apparently didn't count on was that she was not able to, you know, muscle down and counteract the automatic cycle and the torque that it created. What was he thinking? But you know, what? I don't know. But John, that's the journey. That was his journey. Yeah. That's the way he was gonna yeah. go. There's nothing we could do about it. Doesn't make. I'm not a gun person. Doesn't make common sense to me to put a gun in somebody so young and think they're gonna control it. Right. Right. I mean, really, that is crazy. Wow. What an episode. Well, we could we could go on and on and on. Remember that show? Um, what was it called? The Many Faces of, of Death, Death or, or a Thousand? I think a thousand that was ways, a, that was a movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, that was a movie. Yeah, there was wow. a there was a TV show though called What a Thousand and One Ways to Die or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, one of the episodes I'll never forget because it really is scary. Not that I would ever do it, but just the thought of it was there was this big ass, overgrown, muscular kind of a barroom pool room bully, kind of like Jim Croce's song, Big Jim, right? Mm, yeah. And, you know, nobody would challenge the guy, but, but he, I guess, to impress the people that, you know, you know, were jacked by him in this mm. barroom pool room, he, one of the tricks he would do is he would take the cue ball from the pool table and he would stick it in his mouth and he would swallow it down to here and then bring it, and then bring it back up in his mouth and spit it onto the, the table. Hell? And keep, well, but... You know, any fucking moron could say, hey, whoa, that's the perfect stopper for your fucking airway, you idiot. And, of course, this night, it went down a little too far, and there was nothing he could do to get it back up. And it suffocated him, and he died in front of, like, 100 people. Well, yeah, that's one of those things where this is going to work 99 out of 100 times. But the hundredth uh, time, it's yeah. going to break bad. And yeah, that was and, his hundredth time. And who knows, maybe, maybe, you know, one of the things he would do to kind of blow it up out of his uh, oral pharynx was to have, you know, a full set, a full chest of air. Sure. And maybe this time he was looking at some chick or something or thinking of something else, and he swallowed it with empty lungs. And all of a sudden, he's like, and he dies. Wow. And he yeah. dies. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So, you know... Human beings are fascinated with, with two things. It's tried and true because companies like Coca-Cola airbrush this into the tops of um, a picture of a glass of Coca-Cola with mm. fizz and ice cubes, and they would airbrush scenes of Seth, sex and death. So human beings are subliminally captured and um, mind controlled by sex and death because we we look for sex to to uh, to validate that we're worthy specimens and we we feign and shun death so it's this weird dichotomous way of thinking about it you know but we could talk for days about really terrible ways to go. I mean, I, I saw some crazy-ass video about a drug cartel in 
somewhere in South America, where if they deemed that you needed to be taught a lesson and the others around needed to be taught a lesson, you know, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine this actually happening, but I'm sure with the depravity of the human heart here and there, they would uh, tie somebody up on a boat in the Amazon during piranha season and stick their face in the water. It's just their face. If they threw them overboard, it would have been more merciful. But can you imagine? So they would let the piranhas eat the person's face off of their off of their head and then pull them up. And they, they said they usually died of, of massive hemorrhage. Oh, yeah. You know? But, yeah. you know, what a way. Who thinks what of a, that? Well, who the human, the sick human heart thinks of that. Wow. The sick human heart. But I got to say this. Who thinks of that? Yes, I would agree. But on the flip side, who thinks of contriving uh, a reason to go to war and selling it to, you know, 400 million people? and stealing the money from those people to create the weapons to go to war, and then you go and you attack another country and you kill uh, three-quarters of a million people. No. Mm. Ah, the dark human heart. Mm. Wow. John, if you could, yeah. please. Let's get out of this one. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, I've never... Let's, this yeah. is a little bit kind of crazy tabloid, wow. but it, it was fun. Yeah, it was. But, you know, all I can say is... Lord, Lord, please, 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 yeah. I would say, regarding death, it would be a blessing for people to not go in horrible ways. And that's just my limited way of thinking about how, how you go can make a difference. Um, just breathe into the hearts of human beings all over the planet that um, although death is a temporary exodus from the physical world we need to understand that life is sacred and uh, we shouldn't fear death like we've said on a previous episode um, but if people are going to go in horrible, nasty ways, all I can think of, oh Lord, Father of the universe, somehow or another, spare those who are passing the pain and the anguish and spare those around them. And that's really all I can say about the different ways we exit the third dimension. Amen. Amen. Great job as usual, John. Thank you for this episode. People, if you like what we're doing, watch us again on the Jersey Alchemist. Uh, follow us. And what's that other word, John, besides follow? Subscribe. Subscribe to us. Thank you very much. Till next time. Peace.